0: We think about God raising us up through Christ, we have life, and that's what enables us to live well in a world that in many respects we would say is messed up. The Bible was written in time and place for situations faced in specific time and location. Over time, cultures change, world conditions change, nations change, but the Bible remains Unchanged. Just as Paul or Peter or John shared specifically how Scripture fit into their time and place, we need to understand how Scripture fits into our time and place because Scripture is profitable for what to believe, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Therefore, this morning, as I share, and some tonight, and perhaps some next Sunday morning, what to share as shepherd, how scriptures we have discussed in previous weeks would apply in the present. James 1 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. We not only hear, we not only understand, we not only develop beliefs, but we want to live it out. Second Timothy 3 says all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So scripture equips us to live well in the world in which we live. Not only correct beliefs, but also rebuking, correcting, and training or learning how to live. When We had looked at Genesis 1 and 2. Hebrews 11, 1 Peter 3, and some related passages. We had also considered who Jesus Christ is in light of John's gospel. But overall, we've been answering some questions. Can God be trusted? Can Christ be trusted? Is the Bible trustworthy? How do we make sense of our world? So in light of previous weeks of study... We're looking at some application this morning, and as we think about application, I'll not be necessarily referring to a lot of passages. I'll mention passages, but we'll not be turning to them. So a couple of thought questions. Why can a man entice girls to follow him and then sell them into prostitution and go to bed at night with a clear conscience? and may i add in the united states we are in an election year in all the debates the candidates attacking one another the news coverage what is what is lacking may i add a very key item i think has been lacking Why do we often hear or use the term, why did so and so do? And you can complete the sentence. So as we think about living well in our world, we're basically talking about how we look at our world, how we respond to the world. And some people use the term worldview. A couple ways to define worldview. First an explanation and then an and an interpretation of the world, and second, an application of this view of life. Gary Phillips and William Brown define it that way. It's a person's approach to thinking about life and the world, coupled with the values they set for themselves in the context of that way of thinking. And another definition by a philosopher. Worldview can be defined as a comprehensive framework, a belief that helps us to interpret what we see and experience and also gives us direction in the choices that we make as we live out our daily lives. Biologists write, a conceptual scheme by which we consciously or unconsciously place or fit everything we believe or fix everything we believe. We find our worldview to interpret and judge Reality. So worldview are the glasses we look through, the lens that we look through. If you look through this piece of yellow paper, everything has a yellow color. What worldview we look at things makes a difference in the color. If you look through this green, that gives you a different color. Again, a worldview... Our world has various worldviews, and I'm going to put them in four basic categories. The first one is naturalism. Naturalism is a belief that natural causes alone are sufficient to explain everything that exists. Natural causes explain everything that exists. The ultimate reality is material. The physical universe is all there is. And that's very prevalent in our culture today. Transcendentalism ties in with Hinduism, Buddhism, the New Age movement, and so on. It sees the world as spiritual or psychic oneness. It basically says God is everything. God is not a personal being, but impersonal, that provides direction and guidance for life. It replaces Romans 1 18 through 320 view of human depravity with a positive acclamation of humanity. Basically, God is in everything in transcendentalism. Then we have Islam. Islam would say that Allah is transcendent. Relatively impersonal. And they would not believe in a, what we call the Trinity. Islam would say there is no God but Allah. And Muhammad is the prophet of Allah. Christ was a man. Below Muhammad in importance. Not the son of God. He did not die for our sins, a fourth worldview is Christianity. The living, personal God made Himself known, and He can be known. In Christianity, revelation is central. Christ, or God, rather, revealing Himself in creation, in Christ, and through Scripture. And just a couple thoughts and questions, and I'm not looking for an answer. You ever stop to consider what is the worldview of the presidential candidates? What is their worldview? It's going to make a difference where they end up in daily life. Will worldview help us to understand, a Christian worldview help us to understand 9-11 and what happened years ago? From what worldview is most news presented? You watch the news, you hear the news, a worldview is being presented. And it affects how the news is presented. What is the worldview underlying television, movies, computer games? What is the worldview of our schools? Does continued exposure to a worldview influence the person deeply and have a profound impact? So I want to ask some questions and then respond according to each worldview. First of all, how did the world get here? Or who made me? Naturalism says Evolution. Man came from lower forms of life. Transcendentalism would say, not created, In the universe and humans are an indissolvable existence. You say, I don't quite wrap my mind around that. A study I've done on Eastern religions, I've never wrapped my mind around it because they seem to defy reason. Islam would say, Allah created. Biblically, we would say, created by God. By Christ speaking to exist into existence from nothing. Genesis one, which we looked at, John one, Hebrews one, hundreds of references in the Old Testament speak of creation by God. Romans one again speaks of that. Worldview, how you think about it, whether you think biblically or in some other way, influences deeply In life, if we take the biblical worldview, there's structure, there's design, there's accountability. If you take the other three, that is not present. What happens if you go the no creator route of naturalism and transcendentalism? That leads down a path. Of a free for all. You do what you please. If you take the whole issue of the abortion debate. That goes back to. How do you view life? Do you believe in a creator? Or is there no creator? How do you respond to that? You ever stop and think about no creator in terms of relationships? If there is no creator, then you use people for your benefit. So it's okay to go out and lure young girls to sell them into prostitution and make money. Because there's no creator. It is okay to wipe out hundreds of others to promote your religion because there's no creator that extends grace. Second question, who am I? Who are we as humans? Naturalism would say, again, evolved, you're basically good. Transcendentalism would say, you're one with the universe. There's an indissolvable unit. We're go- we are God. God is everywhere. God is in everything. Islam would say you're created by Allah, naturally inclined towards true religion, Islam, and you're born good. Biblically created in God's image for fellowship with God. But sin separates us from God. Genesis 1 and 2. John's Gospel. Ephesians 1, 2 and 3 all talk about that. And We looked at some passages earlier. Now think about a biblical worldview. If we're created in God's image, we have the Trinity. God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. What do we have? Relationships. We're relational beings. Biblically, It explains why we're relational. Islam, transcendentalism, naturalism does not explain that. It also deeply influences how we treat others. If we're created in God's image for fellowship, we're not free to kill, we're not free to abuse. Because the other people in our lives are created in God's image. The impact on the whole question of abortion, capital punishment, end of life issues is basically determined by how you view life. See, if there is no creator, then when you get old, like I am, or like some of you are, and you have a lot of problems, we just eliminate you. And if a young one is not wanted in the womb, they're going to create a problem, or they have some problems, you just eliminate them before they're born. See, how you think about Who we are makes a difference in how we respond in life. It also makes a difference in how we view laws. See, we want a lot of laws in our culture. It seems like we think we need more and more. Because we think a law will stop evil. A law never stopped evil. It may deter some, but it never changes the heart. Evil comes from the heart. It also makes a difference in how a parent treats a child. So if this small child that you're dealing with is an image bearer, you're going to treat them differently than if they're part of evolution. It also makes a difference why animal rights is becoming so strong in our country. We, if we evolve from animals, you can take it from there. A third question, why am I here? Naturalism would say to make the most of life here. This is all there is. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's it. Transcendentalism, live the best you can to update in the next life. See, transcendentalism would say you die, you're going to be reincarnated, And what you're reincarnated as depends on what happened in your previous life, how you lived. Islam would say, get people to accept Islam by confessing that there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. That's why we're here, you know, if you follow Islam. Biblically, it is to live in relationship with God, with Jesus for their glory. Exodus 19 and 20, where the Mosaic law is given, it's all about relationships. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 is relationships with God. And then the rest of the book is dealing with relationships with other people. Psalm 24, Isaiah 6, John 1, Romans 11, Revelation 1, Revelation 21. one. will talk about relationship with God, with Christ. For their glory. Now does that have any implications? So tomorrow I get up. Who am I living for? God's glory or myself? Or for some other purpose? Think about how a biblical worldview influences marriage. A husband's primary goal is not for himself, but his wife. A wife's primary goal is not about her, but about her husband. Parents are concerned about their children, children about their parents. And so on. Makes a big, big difference. What about God? Naturalism would say, does not exist. If he does exist, he's not creator. Transcendentalism, God is an impersonal force, spirit within all things. Islam, Allah, the highest one, the exalted one, impersonal, not love, no trinity, but he is all-seeing, all-knowing, and all-powerful. Biblically, we would say divine, beyond understanding, very personal, holy. He revealed himself, he pursues humans. Now that affects quite a few things. Naturalism, transcendentalism, and Islam... You don't know God. He's impersonal. Biblically, God is personal. We can be related to him. You will find that the religions of the world, and I'm putting naturalism, transcendentalism, Islam, and all other religions in the same category, that all of them focus on doing. Biblically, it's done. That is very, very significant. Because they all would say, there's something good within a person that they can act. Can I have a relationship with God? Naturalism would say no. No. Transcendentalism would say, no, God's an impersonal force. He's a spirit within all things. Islam would say, no, God is not personal. But each person must earn his own way or salvation by following the five pillars of the faith. Biblically, yes, it comes by grace, repentance, faith, God acts. And that's so very clearly stated in John's Gospel, Ephesians and Hebrews and related passages. So if I can be related to God, that makes a big, big difference in daily life versus thinking I can't be related to God or there is no God. So we get up tomorrow morning, we go about our daily dozen. There's no God. Or there is a God and I have a relationship with him. And I want to be sensitive to him. I'm concerned about his glory. I think it also explains why so many people in our world are never content. They have to have a new car or a new house or new clothing or more money and so on. They just want more. If there's a relationship with God through Christ... He's the source of satisfaction. So we may want, but we realize our satisfaction is in God. And in Christ. He brings contentment. It makes a big difference too in how we suffer. Those who have a relationship with God with Christ, suffering in a different way than those that don't. Those that have a relationship with God see suffering as part of relating to God in a broken world for God's glory. When there is no relationship with God, there is no value in suffering. There is no benefit in suffering. So what do you want? You just want to get out of it. Why is there evil in our world? Naturalism would say it's culturally defined. It comes primarily due to ignorance. Transdent, transcendentalism would say evil is an illusion. You think there's evil, but there isn't. Islam would say you're born good. Moral weakness of humans is the reason for Evil. You're perverted after birth by your environment. Biblically, human rebellion beginning in Adam does all have a sinful nature. Genesis 3 makes that clear. Romans 1, Ephesians 2, Romans five twelve through 20. It makes a big difference in how you address evil in the world. What do we tend to do in our country? We make another law. And then another law, and then another law. And laws can be good, they can deter evil to an extent. But law never dresses the heart. God gave Israel the Ten Commandments plus many other laws. What was their purpose to point out to Israel that they could not keep the law? To drive them to God. Think about that in the context of uh, next time you read about a law or you see a law that you're supposed to obey. For you guys, you drive down the road and you see a 35 mile an hour speed limit. You go, oh boy, this is neat. I get to go 35 mile an hour. I just love these laws. Part of you says, who cares how fast I go? So dad and mom say something to you as a teenager or a child. Here's what you're to do, and you say, oh, dad and mom, you're so sweet, you're so adorable, I just desire to obey you. If you say that, it's because God's already at work in your life. See, it makes a difference in how we respond in life. It deeply influences parenting. Parenting. you mean it deeply influences parenting. If you have a biblical worldview, you recognize your child disobeys, not because culture has affected them, but because they have a sin nature. So you want to go for the heart. Well, we'll make another rule in this home, and that will take care of that behavior. No, it won't. Well, I wonder why little Johnny did that. Why'd Sally do that? They have an evil heart. A biblical worldview says you need to address the heart, not merely the action. It also makes a big difference in relational struggles. In relational struggles, we get defensive. Blame our wife, blame our kids, blame our parents, blame the government. In high school... Teacher, our history teacher, Mr. Grable, had to go out of the classroom for a little while and he told us what we were supposed to do. And within a couple minutes of him being gone, the room just turned into not such nice stuff. No, no one was sitting there doing what he said. Maybe an exception of a couple people, but he came back in and he said, What's going on here? How many of my hands went up and said, I just want you to know that I was wrong. I was involved in this and I was wrong. No one raised their hand. So he could say, what happened? Who started this? He may as well say the whole class is guilty. See, it makes a difference in how we handle things. It makes a difference in our criminal system. So we have a criminal, they're in trouble, we can put them in prison. But prison will not reform them because they don't need reformation, they need regeneration. And I'm not opposed to prisons, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying they will not reform. Regeneration is needed. How we think, what we believe, makes a difference in moment by moment living. Makes a big difference in home life. So you and your husband or wife, you and your kids or you and your parents have an argument. And dad says, I just want you to know, I'm partially responsible. I have an evil heart. I haven't totally conquered that. Here's where I was wrong. And mom says, oh, here's where I was wrong. And the kids say, oh, yeah, I was wrong here. Versus continuing that argument that may go on for days. Days. And then you get the silent treatment for weeks maybe. But it goes back to your world view. Anytime there's a relational conflict, it takes two to tangle. You can't have a fight with one person. You need at least two. And both of them responding Incorrectly. Because Proverbs says a soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So someone gives a soft answer. The other person comes back at them and they get another soft answer. And the person comes back at them and get another soft answer. What's going to happen? There's no fight. But how we think about evil makes a difference just in day-by-day living. I don't want to go here. I'll just mention it in passing stop and think about the presidential debates or just the whole issue of candidates running and how they talk about each other. Their worldview comes out loud and clear. And I'm not saying who to vote for. That's beside the point. I'm not saying you've got to vote for someone with this worldview. But how we think is seen and deeply influenced In terms of our culture and our daily life. And obviously, we take the very strong position of biblical because it's the worldview that makes sense of the world in which we live and what has happened in our world. I challenge you to think about 9 11. There's a reason why 9-11 took place. And I don't think it's real difficult to figure out. Because a world view other than biblical Christianity was present. So as we think about God... We think about Christ. We think about Scripture and looking at some applications of Scripture this morning, what we discussed in previous weeks. It makes a difference in how we live. So you go off to college. What's the worldview? You send kids to school. What's the worldview? Let's help one another and spur one another on towards a biblical worldview for God's glory. Lord willing, we'll touch on this some next week also. Father, we thank you for Scripture. We thank you for Christ. And we thank you that what you have revealed to us through creation, through Christ and through Scripture, does give us a framework to understand the world in which we live. May we be effective, sword and light in our world. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.